This week, we had a wonderful surprise with our conversation with Guy Ewing. What made this conversation so special was that although Guy did not graduate with our class, he reached out to get reconnected and we are so glad he did. This delightful conversation revealed the incredible journey that Guy has taken as a professional musician, a residential substance abuse counselor, a computer programmer, a bar owner, and an entrepreneur founding his own company, Durango Computers. He talks about what it was like to be almost famous in the music industry, the importance of talking about mental health and depression, what tiny home living is like, road tripping all over the country with his wife, whom he calls his best friend, and empty nesting after raising two wonderful kids. Still playing music in bands, Guy has just made a wonderful life for himself, and it was a joy to hear all about it. We hope you will listen closely and enjoy. I was listening this week. Obviously, I was listening to to the most recent podcast we did with Jeff because I was doing some editing on that one. And then I also went back and listened to Chris Travis's uh, podcast. I like to listen to them when I've had a little time in distance. And I I just loved both of them so much. They're such different human beings. Mm -hmm. And yet they had such good reflective wisdom Mm -hmm. to share. Mm -hmm. I mean, between Chris talking about, you know, making space for joy and Jeff's just eternal optimism about how any human being we meet, we're just seeing a snapshot Mm -hmm. of their lives and we could be seeing them on the very best day of their lives. We could be seeing them on the worst day. And just to have the grace, to give them the grace. So I loved listening to that. And I keep thinking, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear a lot of famous celebrities interviewed, but I don't think they know anything more about the world than our classmates. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that struck me about that interview with Jeff was his own sense of usefulness in the world doing what he's doing now whereas totally. he, you know he is directly in in contact with all sorts of people every day and mm-hmm. when he gets home at the end of the day he's like I know I did some good today I helped somebody mm-hmm. out I was kind to somebody who needed it and even though his previous career was more prestigious, mm-hmm. it didn't have that same sort of um, daily reminder that he was doing good in the world. So I 100% mm-hmm. agree with you. We are some wise mofos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. The other thing that's been really fun is reading some of the Facebook conversations <laughs> and people showing up. Like, For example, Mary Baldwin, who was someone we went to school with. I think she was only there through ninth grade. Mm -hmm. I loved Mary. She was so fun. Um, But she shows up and she's so excited to to be a part of the channel and to connect. And I hope she comes back to a reunion. And today's guest is a little bit like that too. So That's right. It'll be really fun to talk to Guy Ewing today. I remember him and uh, his sort of cohort of friends, Sam McClay mm-hmm. and Ben Martin, and, and and I actually think Jeff. We should have asked Jeff to Jeff about yeah. him. But um, you know, I remember Art Lopez coming to our last That's reunion, right. and he's again who didn't someone who didn't graduate with us, mm-hmm. but still feels connected to the class, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah, I love that too. I love that that people are starting to come out of the woodwork and. And take advantage of the opportunity to reconnect. Yeah. When Mary Baldwin mm-hmm. showed up on Facebook, I was like, what? Um, and uh, good apple days. <laughs> Mary Baldwin. We spent so much time together freshman year. And somewhere in this house, I still have a box of notes that we would pass between each other in class. I mean, I'm sure I've got notes with you too, Carla, but I no, I have some from there. Because that was, 
probably my most prolific writing ever. Every yeah. class period, oh, Mr. Verardo would get so annoyed at me. <laughs> so funny. Passing of notes. We asked our kids, do you remember if they passed mm-hmm. notes? They said they did. They still do a little bit. I don't bit. know. Yeah. As a teacher, I loved it when kids passed notes and I would intercept them. <laughs> that was always the fear, that they would be intercepted and yeah. read aloud. Yeah, I did do that a few times. That's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> but I would never have read anything out loud that was really hurtful. Hurtful, right. right. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. It'll yeah. be neat to talk to Guy. I believe that he is uh, no longer in New Mexico. So we'll yeah. hear what his what his path has been. Yeah. I do believe, and he'll have to tell us a little bit about this, that he is still playing music. Oh, cool. And I think he is a bassist. And I think he's playing in a folk band. And I think he's still actively involved in music. So that's so cool. You know, we have a lot of musicians in our class that have either been professional musicians like a Chris Cushman or people who have pursued music more as a hobby, but semi-professional mm-hmm. like a Matt Greenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Jocelyn, she's professional mm-hmm. and also a teacher, right? Um, and I just think that's neat. I do too. I don't know how do we get left oh. out of that. We did not get sprinkled with the musical talent dust the way that some of our classmates no. did. No, and I will also say that I have been trying to teach myself to play the guitar this summer and it's so hard. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for guitarists. And, you know, even though I can memorize chords, it's just the transition. And I keep trying and I'll play the same song a hundred times. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask Guy for some, some warm-up tips or something. <laughs> I'm feeling like our reunion could be a wonderful collection of many workshops where people could come and, you know, we could learn some guitar. We could, I know Kiowa Easley is a textile artist. She teaches at SCAD. Um, I mean, there's probably. Bruce can do an improv, improv class with that's Bruce. That's right. We could do an improv class with Bruce. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that would be really fun. Oh, our, our reunion may have to be a full week long. It may. It may. And, and it will culminate in a community service play. <laughs> An improvised, An improvised community service. musical community service play. I'm totally into it. I will do it. I will, I will come out of retirement to, you don't need a director for an improv play. You just need. Well, and the irony would be that the people who come to view it are performing the community service. Right. (laughs) Who is this for? Right. This is actually for our own benefit, but we need an audience. So please come. (laughs) Maybe we can find like a nice, you know, senior living facility (laughs) to do it for. We could tell them we're coming to tour it and then just impromptu. Guess what? Now that we've seen all of your facilities and talked to your team, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I also think our reunion, if this, if this achieves its purpose, will be very large. (laughs) Yes. Oh, here he comes. Hey. How are you? Hello, hello. Doing great. <laughs> How are you, Guy? Good, good. It's it's been a while. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Are you in your kitchen? I am in the RV, which I use as my office. Oh, I did see that some pictures of that on Facebook, yep. and that is so cool. <laughs> yep, yep. Tiny home living, so you you take whatever space you can get and make it your your office or your music room or you know whatever. <laughs> Love it. I love it. Where are you exactly? So where are you I, down? The- I'm in Vicedo, Colorado, which is about 20 miles from Durango. Yep, right on right on Vicedo Reservoir. 
on the lake. Cool. Very cool. And how, how long have you been there? We moved here about three years ago. As soon as we were empty nesters, we sold the house. And, and You're already an empty nester. Yeah. Yeah. My youngest is 20. Oh my gosh. I am so interested to hear what you've, uh, what that experience has been like for you. It's good and bad. You know, it's, it's nice to, you know, just be the two of us again, but, uh, it's also, you know, you miss the kids. You just do. It's such a, Mm -hmm. such a presence that's gone from your life, but, uh, Mm -hmm. it's been good though. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been in Colorado though for a long time? So we moved to Colorado Springs in 98. Yeah. 98. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're already launching in. All right. So we're going to get started and we're going to ask you the same question we ask every one of our guests to start off the episode. And that is, well, Guy, what have you been doing for the last 35 years? Well, actually 37, but, uh, you know. We'll get into that. Too. <laughs> Man, I I'll tell you what, it's been a, a interesting journey. Um, different careers, different uh, different paths, different just everything. I mean, uh, I, I like to say it was a long journey, but I wouldn't have missed any of it. And uh, mm. some of that's true, some of it's not. But uh, <laughs> you know, you know how that goes. It's like I probably could have skipped some of that, but it made me who I am and and brought me. To, to where I am. So, so it's been, uh, interesting, you know, it started off, uh, after high school going to, uh, Hollywood and, uh, going to music school in Hollywood. So musicians Institute there, uh, it was quite, quite an experience for an 18 year old in, in Hollywood, California living, I mean, pretty much on the strip. So, yeah. Where, where did you graduate from, by the way? For high school, you mean? Uh, from Highland High School, actually. Yep. Okay. And interesting stories there too. You know the. That's, I my just dad remember graduated from Highland High School, but yeah. not the same year as you. Not the same year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's so much to go into here. Um, my my senior AP English course at Highland was a repeat of my seventh grade English class at the academy. We read the same books. Uh, I turned in the same papers that I got. A C on at the academy, and I got an A on it there. But anyway, it's a different experience. So, <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And how did so. you hear about the place? Uh, the uh, would you say it's the Musicians Institute? Yep. In Hollywood. Yeah. Yep. And it, it's now an accredited four-year institution. But uh, when I went, it was a, a one-year all-intensive. Take what you can out of it, and. Uh, so it was, it was great. Um, so uh, I don't know if you remember Sam McClay and, and, and yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So I actually moved with him and a couple other friends and uh, we had our little, almost one bedroom apartment for four of us or three of us. I can't remember, you know, so cool. in downtown Hollywood. Um, yeah. We researched what we wanted to do and we were all definitely going to be rock stars. So, so we all moved to Hollywood together and went to school. Um, the school was awesome. Honestly, it was fantastic. So it was a great experience. Hollywood, not so much. So I I moved to Sherman Oaks after about six months and stayed there for about a year and a half or so. Um, decided I did not want to be a rock star. I, I saw that lifestyle. Um, I, I knew some really famous people that I hung out with a lot and I did not want to be them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just and a, why just a weird is that? Life. Can you say more about that? Um, the lack of privacy was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew, you know, you, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. So um, at least that was the impression they gave me. And, and you know, just the, mm-hmm. the whole, I don't know. I wasn't into the, the drinking and drugs thing at that time at all. So I didn't, didn't want to get into that lifestyle. Yeah. Which was a big change from the Academy years for me, but, uh, you know, so what happened next? So, um, so I graduated, uh, from, from school there and, uh, became a studio recording musician for, um, for about eight months, I guess, uh, just doing, uh, helping people do demos. And it was mostly people trying to resurrect their careers. 
They would come to me because I was cheaper than everybody else because I was not a member of the union, which uh, caught up to me and I got uh, basically booted out. So that was the end of my recording studio recording career uh, in Los Angeles. So I moved back to, to uh, Albuquerque and uh, moved back in with the parents that lasted almost two weeks because I, I don't know if anybody else has tried that, but man, it just, I couldn't do it. So uh, immediately found a job at Hastings, if you remember Hastings. Oh, yeah. So, so worked there um, and got my own place, uh, my own little tiny studio apartment. And I was excited because I was making almost $4 an hour. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> it was the big bucks then, you know. But uh, yeah, so tried to, tried to make a living of that and tried to go back to school a little bit. Went to UNM for a little bit. Uh, decided I wanted to be a linguist. Um, I just couldn't get into it. So, so that, that was kind of short lived. So drew my hair out and joined a rock and roll band again. I see a pattern. I see a pattern here. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, ended up uh, being in several different bands, but we toured for two and a half years or so. Um, made, made my living doing that, um, as much as we could. I think we had eight people living in our house, but we were all gone at various times. So, so, you know, so there'd only be four of us there at a time, but, uh, yeah, so interesting. The the road life was very interesting. Uh, not something I would choose to do again to make a living. But when you're 20, 21, 22, 23, it was great. Mm-hmm. Had a fantastic. I take it you were not touring in anything as nice as your current RV. No, I had what a nineteen eighty Buick Skylark, and we had a uh, like nineteen eighty three van that we oh my put God. a couple hundred thousand miles on. So. I don't even know that much, awesome. but it seemed like a hundred thousand miles. So yeah, that was my early twenties and, uh, band life is rough to be perfectly honest. So, uh, we ended up all just really hating each other. So, yeah. so, so I kind of just fell out of music. Well, I I've always played, but, uh, fell out of the band life for a while. One of my favorite movies is almost famous. And, uh, it sounds like you were living a little bit of the almost famous life. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I was famous in my own mind, I'm sure. <laughs> I said almost. almost. <laughs> so interestingly, after after that, I became a drug and alcohol counselor uh, in Albuquerque at uh, group homes for adolescents. Hmm. So I was a live-in counselor for, I don't know, a couple of years. That sounds like it would be really challenging. Uh, you know, it was fantastic, but Man, it took everything, just took everything out of you. So it was the most intense thing I've ever done. So uh, I don't know. I've, I've kind of always been a counselor in a counselor role, and it always kind of takes everything out of you. So, you know, it was a little more intense then with, with teenagers. Um, got some interesting insight into myself at that point, though, is uh, you know, I had overheard the, the kids talking about me. They're like, why is he sad all the time? And I'm like, wait, what? Me? Who? Um, turns out I was sad all the time. So I worked on fixing that. Uh, another theme running through my life was kind of a mild depression. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, kind of the kids pointing it out to me, which was interesting. You know, we talk a lot more about mental health with kids today. Um, and we talk about the mental health crisis that kids are in. And I, I tend to agree with that a little bit, but I also think we just didn't talk about it as much absolutely back in our day. And I think there were a lot of kids who were not happy or were sad or dealing with that kind of stuff in our grade. And we just didn't know it or we didn't name it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, you know, I, all of us trying to figure out who we were and what we were doing and uh, put a little shyness on top of that or a lot of shyness in my case. And then, you know, a mild depression mm-hmm. the whole time too. And it's, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting place to be. And I, I wish we were able to talk about it then because mm-hmm. now, now it's a thing, you know, you, you talk about and you get to uh, fix things that are not broken, but, you know, fix things and help things and help people. What made you think, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to do something different. And, and what did you decide to do? So I, I completely burned out on that. So uh, I, I went back to school again. Uh, this time in like computer science is what I wanted to do. So I had a friend who uh, we did, we were geeks together. Um, during 
during the music thing, uh, I, I joined a, a duo. There was just two of us. Uh, and I, I, pieced together a computer. So I built my own computer so I could control keyboards and drums and, and do that. So there was just two of us, but it sounded like a whole band. Uh, it, nowadays, everybody does that, but you know, this was 90. So right, you yeah. had to MacGyver it together. Yep. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually uh, would go through the pieces and parts from a used computer store and uh, he let me pick out stuff and, and, and put, put together my own computer. Um, which, oddly enough, it turns out I'm pretty good at that, and I actually really enjoy it. So when I went back to school, I went back for computer science, and during that time, my roommate at the time was working at uh, the, the Air Force Safety Center in, in, on Kirtland. Mm -hmm. So he got me a job and uh, started off as, I think I was a network administrator because they didn't know what to call me, mm -hmm. you know, making basically minimum wage, and within couple of years, I was a full-blown programmer um, and making decent money, I thought at the time. So quit school again. Mm -hmm. There's a theme there too. Uh, <laughs> it just wasn't for me. So, yeah. so ever since yeah. then, I've been in the computer world. Um, and uh, that's why I moved to Colorado uh, because things were getting serious with my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. Uh, and we wanted to live in Colorado, be near her, her brothers and that kind of thing. So we moved there and I found an awesome job at this place called MCI. Hmm. So uh, that was my new career. That was my goal. I was going to work my way up to middle management and, you know, be a, be a career corporate guy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, ever exactly. After. That was the plan. <laughs> and MCI was great until this company called WorldCom bought them. And uh, I don't know if you remember the WorldCom disaster, uh, one of the biggest bankruptcies in the history of the United States. Oh, wow. So, okay. So we all lost our jobs eventually. I had a team of 20 people. And uh, by the final days, it was me and my boss standing there saying, well, one of us is going. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I knew it was me. So I had this recession proof. This was 2002. Okay. So, the, you know, the great recession or whatever the oh, first yeah. one and uh um uh, so I, I knew i was gone so i had this this recession proof idea that i would uh own a bar and grill <laughs> because you know that's recession proof <laughs> well let me tell you and it aligns perfectly with your previous experience yeah well that's the other thing too is i you know it could be a music club too it ended up being a biker bar um but Fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I consider that my business degree because it cost about the same. I spent as much yeah. money. Uh, I, but uh, I really did learn a lot about business. Uh, not enough to keep it afloat, but after you know, I lasted three years, um, by the third years, actually, where, was it? where was this? In yeah, place where was, called it? was this in Colorado? Cristola, Springs? Colorado, which is about 15 okay. miles outside of Colorado Springs up towards Woodland Park. Mm -hmm. um, yep, that was an interesting experience, let me tell you, because I was the owner, the bartender, the cook, the bouncer, you know, <laughs> I was there eight in the morning till two, two or three in the morning, six days a week. So how do you think it became popular with the bikers? It was before I bought it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it was an old historic place that, you know, I've been there for forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, man, I... I really learned a lot about business, which was great because my wife and I have this habit of always owning a business of some sort. Um, at the time she was doing real estate advertising. Uh, so she was mm -hmm. literally putting together magazines and, and for real estate people and taking pictures of houses and doing that. So she had her own business, which was great because she was taking care of our two very young children while I was off at the bar. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I got out of that uh, and interestingly enough, got a call about a month before the, the bar completely collapsed to get my old job back. Um, huh. They'd gone back to being called Verizon or uh, MCI and then were promptly bought by Verizon. So they, they called me and asked me to do my old job again. So went back there as a contractor this time. Mm-hmm. 
and they had a two-year limit on contractors. If you if you were there two years, they got rid of you. So decided I had enough of the giant corporate world. Went to this small company called uh, uh, Stellant, which was only 500 people, which was great. And then they got bought by Oracle. Yeah. So I just... I just said, I can't stand this. I don't care what we're doing. We're moving to Durango. I quit my job. We picked up and moved. I said, I'll, I'll work at McDonald's. I don't care. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. So moved to Durango and there were no jobs in Durango. So I created my own business called Durango Computers and uh, offered IT support for offices, build your computers, whatever you need, program your websites, do anything, anything, uh, and took off. So owned that for 14 years. Uh, and through that, I met a lot of interesting people. I'm curious, so, you, you mentioned that the bar and grill was your business degree. So yes. when you went and started Durango Computers, what were the lessons, the key lessons you took from the bar and grill experience that you feel like helped you build Durango Computers? The, the biggest thing was just being extremely organized. You, you just can't let anything go. Every detail matters. You know, you, you, you got to do that. You got to track everything. Um, just don't don't let it slide. You know, in the bar business, if you give if you give away a drink, at least write it down. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I need to know what the inventory is. I need to know, you know, mm-hmm. so it was a similar kind of thing. You just need to be super organized, very careful with what you're doing. Uh, pick the right mm-hmm. people to do it with is that's the biggest thing I think I learned is you got to pick the right people. And if Mm -hmm. there's any doubt, that's not the right person and trust your gut. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that was great. Um, And I met a lot of interesting people, had a lot of offers to start other businesses with people, which uh, is something I love. Honestly, I love the startup environment. I I just thrive in that. So was a part of a three or four fun startups. Um, one actually almost worked, but then the other owner moved to Florida and it kind of died. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and then another startup that I, I met through an entrepreneur, uh, I don't know, course that we were enrolled in, uh, accelerator program. Uh, this, this other lady, I was watching her product and said, wow, she's really got something. This is amazing. And a year later, she offered me the director position for the for the company. Uh, so I was a director of engineering and couldn't refuse that. So I jumped at the yeah. chance. And uh, that's where I am today. Um, I'm the director of the company. Uh, we sold the business two years ago. So that, awesome. that was nice. And so I've been guiding, guiding us through the acquisition and, and growing the business into a much, much larger business. In fact, I just doubled my staff in the past two months. So I have 32 people now. Wow. Um, Amazing. So it's, like I said, I wouldn't change anything, but uh, it was quite, quite a ride. So. And you're doing it all from this RV outside of Durango. And that's so cool. And it's so, um, so 2023, right? I mean, it's, you don't have to, I don't know, you, oh, I don't know where your 32 people work, but I'm assuming they can work from wherever, wherever they, they are working. Yep. I'm in five different countries right now. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, interesting thing, this all happened during the pandemic the, that I got yeah. involved in, in this, this new business. And uh, I don't, I did, I missed the whole thing. I was working 12 to 14 hours a day, pretty much six, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so except for getting sick myself, uh, I missed pretty much missed the whole thing. So <laughs> I consider that lucky, yeah. I guess. You know, it's interesting now having done enough of these interviews, a lot of people do point to the pandemic in some way. Um, they either talk about it as a moment of, you know, just having to shut their businesses or their work down, or they talk about it as a moment where they really had some kind of transformational experience because the world was transforming and whatever was happening, whether it was good or bad, it caused them to sort of pivot something in their lives. And it's interesting because I don't think we, we, we have, we don't really have yet the perspective on that world event to see, but I think it's made 
a huge impact that we still haven't yet really reconciled. You know, the stories of how people's lives were before and after, good or bad is not really the thing. It's just different. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I I wonder if I'd be in the same position now or if I would have Mm -hmm. just kept going with my own business or Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So when you look back at that, I I know we're going to get to the now, but I have one more question about that, which is you have... But I mean, the band life, the um, living in the group homes, you know, all these different things. Can you share any sort of surprising moment from that where, you know, you realized, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be? Or, wow, I just learned something about myself that I was not expecting. (laughs) You know, I, I think, and I'll talk about the band experience was probably the biggest one is, is, you know, I just wanted to be nice to everybody. And, and that was my goal in life is just to be nice and to be liked by everybody. And sometimes that's impossible and it should be, um, you know, it should be possible. It's not always possible. And it, I don't think it should be possible okay, um, Yeah, because there were people who, uh, really disliked me and probably for good reason. And, you know, um, and, and that's okay, but you got to kind of stand up for yourself in those situations. And I didn't, mm-hmm. and, and I learned how to do that over time. So, mm-hmm. and actually being a business owner, you better learn how to stand up for yourself. So mm-hmm. that was, that was a big aha moment. And that's when I, I kind of got out of the band life Mm-hmm. I say that, but the past eight years, uh, I've been in, in four different bands and played probably over 300 shows. So I'm yeah. still doing the band life just as an adult instead of, you know. That is so cool. Yeah. Tell us more about how your what what your music life is like now, how you've gotten connected with these other performers, mm-hmm. how we can listen. What you're playing. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah you're, a bass, you're a bassist, right? Are you a bassist? Yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. I still play guitar and mandolin and banjo, but not really banjo, but I can mm-hmm. I can pluck on it and make some noise. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, in in Durango, uh, I had a neighbor who was a drummer, so we just started playing one day, and and uh, he introduced me to another guitar player, and we just had a little band going, uh, and that band went from a three piece band playing bluesy garage band rock kind of stuff. To, we ended up being like a 12 piece with accordions oh, wow. and fiddles and mandolins and stomp boards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, so I got mm-hmm. to know a lot of people through that mm-hmm. and then migrated into the Americana world with two of the members from that. It was a band called, uh, what did we call us? The Great Contention. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good. And we played a lot. We were playing a lot of shows and that morphed into uh, a band with uh, an amazing musician uh, named Sonny Gable. Um, we formed Sonny and the Whiskey Machine, which was another Americana group. Uh, we actually, mm-hmm. between her solo projects and, and the band, I think we have five CDs out with that. Oh, wow. Uh, that, uh, Can we get it on Spotify? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah. We'll, it's we'll uh, Sonny, Sonny it. Gable and Sonny and the Whiskey Machine. It's on Spotify. Okay, cool. And then she moved to Tucson, where she still has Sunny in the Whiskey Machine. Um, so then I jumped into a band called The Badly Bent, which uh, is a band that's been around for 25 years, I think. Uh, they're Telluride Bluegrass Festival award winners. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a contest there every year, so they won that contest. Um, one of the more well-known bluegrass bands in the area. Um, Interesting because I've never really played or listened to bluegrass. So uh, I had a different approach with them, but uh, it's been great. Uh, played a bunch of shows with them, did some festivals. Um, in fact, cool. we're doing, we're, well, we're going to a festival this weekend. Uh, I'm on injured reserve right now. Um, I had shoulder surgery in April, so oh, wow. I missed this whole year pretty much playing. But. Mm but recovering from that, but, but yeah, the badly bent, we uh, recorded a CD with them as well. Uh, that's also on Spotify. Um, interestingly enough, we did a Sean Colvin cover 
on the oh, really? album. Yeah, yeah, Sweet. it's one of my favorite songs, so it was great. Yeah, what a, so cool. an, an Austinite. So, Guy, when you're playing Americana versus bluegrass versus rock, does your onstage persona change at all? No. <laughs> 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 nope, not at all. Um, you, you know me, I like to dance a lot. Oh, no, that's not me. Um, <laughs> I'm like, really? No, okay. No, no. I don't think that's how I remembered you out on the <laughs> Dunstance Machine dance floor. Nope, or anything. nope, I'm the guy hiding in the corner. So, and that hasn't changed much. So, I, you know, I, I love yeah. playing on stage, but I'm not the guy who's going to be running across the stage and, you know, dancing. Yeah. I'm just hanging out with the drummer or whatever and holding the rhythm. Cool. So you mentioned that I think you said you met your wife in Albuquerque. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about how you met. And um, you mentioned you've got a couple of kids. Fill us in on, on your family life. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So we met, uh, I had a bunch of friends at an apartment complex that, that I lived at for a while. And then I moved and uh, she moved in there with them. So I'd go over and visit every day and she she uh found a way to always show up um sometimes i'm i'm not the smartest guy in the world so i tried to set her up with one of my friends and uh <laughs> that, that didn't work like, and uh, she clubbed, clubbed me over the head and asked me out so um <laughs> oh, cute. so yeah ever since then uh we've been pretty much inseparable uh, it's been 25 years this this uh this December. So congratulations. Yeah. It's been, it's been a journey that that's been a journey too. You know, you, you work on that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's been great though. She's still my best friend. So yeah. That's awesome. Um, And you have two kids, two kids. My son's in Portland. Uh, he, he, he's 24, um, 23 actually, and graduated from Portland state, um, a year ago, a little over a year ago. And my daughter's here in Durango, um, making her way through life, trying to figure out what she wants to do, uh, thinking about nursing, thinking about, you know, so it, it, it's, it's a journey out there. I'm, I'm glad we did all this when we were, you know, in our time. I can't imagine what it's like. Both my kids trying to go to school during the pandemic. And so hard. It's horrible. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know. Um Portland is a really cool city. I don't know if you get up there. That's they've got some great music and yep. great food in Portland. <laughs> yep, I, I go at least well. I'd say once a year, but that's probably not true. But been a few times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about how you imagined your life would be at fifty-two, or oh, whoops, none of that. <laughs> No, none of that was a plan. That's for sure. You know, the plan was to be a long haired rock and roll, you know, star and and never have to work a day in my life. And, you know, and when you start getting close to achieving that and you realize that's not what you want to do, that's quite a moment. And and Mm -hmm. I I think I heard Matt talking about that, too. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was Mark. Mm -hmm. It was Mark. Yeah. Mark saying, you know, I did what I wanted to do and I got there and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I definitely had that moment where it just, this is not it. So now what? Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not, you know, just our generation. That's a lot of people go through that. So mm-hmm. for sure. what do I do now? But, so how has it been different for you since the kids have graduated from high school and they're not living at home? Um, like I said, that was an adjustment. Yeah. So, so the con is you, you just, you don't realize there's this presence, you know, always, and you can always just pop your head in and say, Hey, how you doing? Or, you know, let, let's go do this or, Mm -hmm. you know, just talk to your kids and that's gone. Mm -hmm. And now you got to call them or, and they're like, what do you want? You know, so (laughs) (laughs) why are you bugging me? That's not true. but uh, It's different. It's just totally different. And it takes a while to get used to. Once we got used to it, we're like, why are we in this giant house? <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. get out of here and, and sold it and, you know, just have a little tiny place now. Um, 
we can travel whenever we want, which we have been. Uh, we did a three-month road trip last summer, uh, which was great. We uh, went to, what, Tennessee, Nashville, and then to North Carolina, and then up the coast. We st stayed for a week in, in every town and ended up uh, somewhere, gosh, where was it? Well, it must have been New York, upstate New York. Wow. And, uh, got to visit with uh, Jocelyn Swigger. Oh, cool. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, so cool. Got to spend some time with Chris Bozen. So sweet. Yeah. It was great. It was really, you know, you, you haven't seen these people in forever. And it's just to reconnect was just great. Right. And as Jocelyn said, we, we talked more in our visit than we did in the entire time we were together at school. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was great to see her. So, yeah. Well, Jocelyn's our guest um, for this week. So you'll get great. to hear her yeah. podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, am I freezing a lot, by yes. the way? Yep. That's so interesting. I have like 100% great Wi-Fi. Guy, what's wrong with my... <laughs> it's broken. I don't understand. The little men in the box are not working hard enough. <laughs> it tells me I have great Wi-Fi, but... <laughs> Sorry, if, I, if I, I'm hearing almost 99% of it, but if I cut out, we'll just... Edit, edit all that stuff <laughs> out. out. But. Sounds good. The mastery of editing. Yeah, mastery of editing. So do I understand that you and your wife spent 100% of your time together for three months traveling across yep. many states and you're still calling her your he best friend? <laughs> you know, it's interesting because when when we decided we were going to do the tiny home thing, we actually bought the land and then put this this RV on it for a winter. Because uh -huh. one, we wanted to see if we could survive the winter, and two, we wanted to see if we were going to kill each other. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> turns out we're we're yeah. fairly compatible. So, so the okay. two of us and our our two cats took off across the country. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. Well, the other thing we do too is is there there is there is two rooms in this. You know, we could, we had some separation, and we both understand you've got to have some space sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other idea too is, you know, we didn't move to Colorado to be in in our house. We moved here to be in the outdoors. You know, we're mm -hmm. we're in the wilderness. Yeah. We're in the forest, and uh, yeah, spend as much time as we can outside. So, one question we've been asking folks is, what's the future look like for you? What do you anticipate? kind of what's next? I mean, you've had such an eclectic story. <laughs> That's my favorite word, by the if way. If you had to guess, or if you have some plans, can you share them with us? You know, I want to retire. I That's my goal in life right now is I want to retire. Um, the goal was to do it by 55. Probably not going to make that, but I'm hoping by 57. So um, get that done. Uh, I don't ever have any illusion that I'll be rich, but that's fine. Uh, I just want to be able to survive. And by retire, I mean, do other things that interest me. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many things I still want to do. You know, I want to, I want to hike, you know, we've got, I've got the women Hooch wilderness literally outside my door. Yep. So there's, you know, millions of acres to go explore. So we've mm -hmm. got, we've got the backpacks, we got the gear, let's go. And just that kind of thing. Sounds amazing. It strikes me that um, you, when you live in such a small house and you have, you know, you're not in pursuit of stuff. It sounds like you're really in pursuit of experiences and adventure Definitely. and. Yep. Yep. Stuff doesn't really interest me. So. Yeah. Well, the Wiminooch is one of the most memorable backpacking experiences I ever had was doing a backpack trip with my dad in the Wiminooch where we went up to the Continental Divide. And um, it was just, first of all, it was hard. So it felt, yes. I felt really proud of myself. <laughs> but there's something about being at the Continental Divide that you just, the vastness of it and um, the beauty of it. I, I can see why that's a strong draw for you. Getting out into yep. the nature and enjoying where you are. Yeah, that's the goal. And I assume you're going to keep playing music. Yeah, um, it's been really interesting because for the past 21 weeks, but who's counting, um, I haven't been able to play at all. So uh, it's it's been an interesting time to reevaluate what I'm doing and why. And, and uh, 
you know, I just, just picked up the bass again a couple of days ago mm. and was able to play for 15 minutes mm-hmm. kind of. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I, I can't, I can't reach my hand up far enough at this point because my shoulder is mm-hmm. kind of destroyed. So uh, working on is that your, though. Is your shoulder destroyed from playing? No, no. It was a, a, a carrying dry, drywall accident. Oh, okay. Yeah. So drywall went one way, my arm went with it, my body didn't. So, you know. Ouch. Yeah. So, so surgery in April and uh, mm-hmm. trying to recover from that. It's a long road though. I was telling Jessica before you got on that I have been trying to learn a little bit of guitar this summer in part because my child is a big Taylor Swift fan. So I thought if I could learn to play a few songs, um, she could sing them and I could play them and we would have some fun together. But um, I'm finding it so challenging and not the learning of the music because I studied piano and I get music and I can even learn the chords. It's the changing of the chords on my on my hands that feels so it feels so hard, yeah. and then I watch people play and I'm like, oh my god, I just don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this. Any any tips for me? It just takes practice, <laughs> a lot of practice. Yeah, guitar is still my main instrument. I just you know, yeah. I discovered a long time ago that if you want to make money, you become a bass player. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So why is that? Everybody knows how to play guitar. No, um, there, there's just a whole bunch more guitar players than there are bass players. Okay. Yeah. Well, Chris Thiele is one of my favorite. Chris Thiele is one of my favorite mandolinists. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him play many, many, many times, and he's amazing. Oh. <laughs> well, wow. should we do our time travel back to high school? Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. it was so much fun the first oh. time. <laughs> <laughs> We like to say this is not about the glory right. days of right. high school. <laughs> um, all right. So we have a flash round and it's 10 questions. You can pass if you want. You can a- answer in a little bit more detail, but we'll just trust you to um, tell us something about those 10 questions. We've invited people to lie if necessary, whatever works for you. But I, before we jump into that, I would well, love just... A, a, re- a short reflection or a longer reflection, whatever. When you think about yourself from those years, how do you remember yourself? Like, how would you describe Guy Ewing of 1985 to 89? Way too shy was the thing with me. Uh, um, yeah, I just, I had trouble speaking out, speaking up you know, that kind of thing, uh, which, which mm-hmm. caused me to succumb to peer pressure or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Uh, that, that's the thing I remember is, is I did a lot of following and, mm-hmm. uh, um, so, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't ever express my opinion as much as I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I was very well-rounded. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start, Carla, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. First question, who was your high school crush? You know, I actually tried to prepare for these questions, too. <laughs> but the thing is, is I cannot remember names. So there were two people in my sister's class, and she was two years ahead of us. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember their names to save my life. But it was like the it was like the the Wonder Years moment where it's the dream sequence and they walk in the room and you're like wow, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wish I could remember their names. That's okay. We'll just remember that you liked older women. That's good enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Question number two: Munch pudding or veal birds? Discuss. You know, one thing about this is I can't. I, went to the academy. I started in seventh grade instead of sixth, like most people. So I was told about these wonderful things and these veal birds and I couldn't stand them. (laughs) You got to put so much ketchup on those things to make them edible. I was like, what is the big deal? So it'd definitely be the pudding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, What was your signature style or clothing brand in high school? Whatever heavy metal t-shirt I had. Yeah. <laughs> and, and interesting thing too there is I, I wore a British flag in seventh grade, you know, Def Leppard. 
Mm-hmm. I wore a yeah. flag t-shirt and got sent home. Apparently that, that the academy? Yeah. Apparently that offended our headmaster wow. at the time. Who was okay, so, but do you remember John Riley was the, I think the head of student discipline for the, for the lower school. And yep, I think yep. he might've been British. Yep. Yep. What? He was the one. He sent me home. Yeah. yeah there you go. He was, he was not happy with me. But, yeah. Interesting. Oh, I would have thought he would be happy with you. Right? That's like, I wore it's this in honor of you, Mr. Riley. That's right. That's what you <laughs> said. See, see now, now you come up with this good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what car did you drive in high school, and how did it meet its demise? So the first one I had was a, it was a 1976 Wagoneer. You know, the big old giant monster Wagoneers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And one of my older sisters actually had it after me and crashed it. So, <sighs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. um, irresponsible siblings. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the first. You're not the first guest to pin the car's demise on a sibling. I will say. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. When you think about high school, what song or band would be on the soundtrack of your experience? Besides Metal Requiem. <laughs> Gosh, Jeff Eden brought that up a little while ago. I was like, oh, man, how did you remember that? Uh-huh. How did... I love it. I didn't I remember, remember the that, band. But, um, <laughs> so there's a band called Queensryche that we just absolutely loved and and I did too and I still do to be perfectly honest Uh, and the song would be The Lady Wore Black High school teacher had the greatest impact on you or influence and I, I, on I you. I hope I get the name right, but uh, uh, Mr. Price, history. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. He discovered, he was one of the few teachers, but he spread the, the rumor around that uh, I always did all of my homework and I always read everything <laughs> and I was always prepared and I never turned it in. So we'd have these papers due and I, you know, I'd do all the research. I'd pretty much write the paper and I don't know why, maybe it was a rebellion, whatever. I wouldn't turn it in. So he started giving me oral exams or having me do a presentation for the class or, yeah. and he's the only reason I made it out of high school. So. Wow. Wow. It's, it's, he, other I teachers started doing that too soon after. And, and that's really the only way I graduated. And my grades went from C's to A's. So. That is so Incredible. cool. Okay. Um, what was your favorite hangout spot? <laughs> um, after school or <laughs> we all, we yeah, all ended up out school or, out, or out of school. It didn't have to be on the Academy campus. It could have been after. Anywhere. Well, it was the Academy campus, but we weren't supposed to be there um, in, in the fields back, back behind the Academy. We, we spent a lot of time back there. And then if we had the munchies, we'd go to Dion's. Okay, so the fields that you're describing, is this what Jeff Eaton referred to as the hole? Okay. <laughs> Carla and I learned about the hole three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, what? <laughs> How did we never know? I just have little, little we were never snapshots in my head. Uh, you know, that's all that's left of the, those yeah. memories. So. <laughs> Well, maybe this ties to the next question, which is, do you have a high school regret, if any, that you would like to share with us? High school regret? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Getting to know people more and and actually um, um, 
you know, I, I was the metalhead, but I really wasn't. And I couldn't say that because, you know, then I wouldn't be cool with my, my friends, but uh, I liked all music and, and wanted to explore that as well. And just meet more people, honestly, because we had our little you know group of us and we, we were pretty tight and I, I wish I could have yeah. spent more time with everybody. So, yeah. If you could go back in time and tell your high school self something about the future, what would it be? Don't take it so seriously. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Everything yeah. feels so sure. urgent in yeah. life or death. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. you, you were sure the world was going to end, you know, so yeah. it, it, it's not going to end. It didn't <laughs> end and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, we all thought we were going to be completely um, destroyed by some nuclear uh, you know, attack by the mm-hmm. Russians. Yep. My dad was a Russian history professor at UNM, and I used to always ask him, like, you know, what's going to happen? Are we going to be, are the Russians going to drop a bomb on us? And he would say, well, at least we live in Albuquerque and we'll be, you know, we're like, we'll be first. Yep. My, dad said, <laughs> my dad said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we won't even really notice. Not what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll happen so quickly, you won't even know. That's oh, right. um, so our last question, number 10, is what would be the title of your high school memoir? <laughs> uh, it would be the title. It would be WTF. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, um, I have to say, I... I you know, I was trying to make some notes and figure some stuff out and, you know, uh, reminiscing myself to, to prepare for this. And it's called 37 years of what the F? <laughs> 37 years of WTF is what it's called. And yet here you are thriving with like, you know, two great kids, uh, a lifelong partner, doing the things that you really love to do. So whatever, whatever the F happens. <laughs> You seem to have come out of it in a really good place. Yep. And, and thank you. I, I, I agree with that statement. And it was, like I said, a journey, but uh, it was a necessary one. And, and there were some really great parts along the way. So I want to thank you also for raising your hand to do this today, because I just love that you were willing to, even though you graduated from a different school but you're a part of our class, an important part of our class. And it means a lot to me that you would say, hey, I'd be up for it. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate appreciate you guys doing this. This is pretty amazing. And, and I love the idea. Um, and, and like it ties into the regret too. You know, I, I did want to meet everybody back then. I didn't get to. So why wait? Why not do it now? So it's, yeah. it's a step for me. I hope you'll consider coming to the class reunion, not this fall, but next fall. I, I think people would really love to see you. And I'm really going to try to get Sam McClay and Paula to come too. Yeah. Um, you know, I know both of them from not just the academy. I went to elementary school with Sam and I've always really liked him. And we're all Facebook friends and, uh, you know, getting folks like Leah Blaugrand or Mary Baldwin who showed up on a Facebook page. And we're like, what? We loved Mary. <laughs> she was great. there for one year. Yeah. And so it'd be so fun to have you come and it would be a real treat to get to see you. I'd love to, honestly, I'd love to see everybody and, and, you know, see if I can remember names and recognize people. (laughs) I doubt people would recognize me. So, you know, I'll I'll wear a wig. I'll 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 put some hair on or something, you know. Yeah, it was so good to talk with you. you as well. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Guy. Really yeah, a pleasure. You. Have a appreciate it. All right, thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Take care. That was so fun. Oh, what a sweet. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. Yep. So great. Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion is written, directed, and edited by Carla Silver and Jessica Slade. Our theme music, True Sight, is by Jared Matt Greenberg. Please subscribe and listen 
on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.